When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast gets four episodes every single week. And the fourth episode is the mailbag episode. This is where I take all of the comments that you've sent in throughout the week and put them together in an episode so that we can have a discussion about your thoughts on the gaming industry. And it's it's one of my favorite uh, parts of the show to do because I get to hear from you guys. However, of the four episodes that come out throughout the week, this is the poorest performing. The uh, Saturday show is the poorest performing. Now, there's a couple of reasons why that may be. Uh, maybe you guys don't like to listen to the mailbag episodes. I mean, that's perfectly legitimate. Maybe you guys just come in for the news and less for the discussion. I'm not sure. Maybe it's because it's on Saturday and people are busy doing other stuff. So they don't have time to listen to that. Maybe it's because, uh, you know, I have a day between the other episodes. You know, I have Monday and then a space and then Wednesday and then a space and then Friday and then there's no space, and then the Saturday episode with the mailbag. So I'm not sure if I want to continue doing the mailbag episodes because their numbers, the, the, the listen numbers on the mailbag episodes are much, much lower than on the other episodes. And I don't want to put out content that people aren't listening to. I, I, it's not that I feel like it's a waste of my time because it is fun and I'm in, there are people who listen to it, but, um, that's time where I could be spending doing other things. So if you really, really like the mailbag episodes, let me know. Uh, I'm at run, jump, stomp. If you want them to continue that, you know, that's one way to tell me another way to tell me is to listen to them. Make sure that you uh, sit down and uh, get around to listening to them. And if you don't have time, I completely understand that. Um, but I'm just looking at the, the, the podcast stats and seeing what, what's sticking and what's not. All right. It's time for us to actually start the episode. Um, just so you know, if you want to support content like this, super easy to do. Patreon.com slash runjumpstomp. You can find out all kinds of information there. Let's start with a message from Webhead. When it comes to space games, nobody compares to Atari. Excuse me. Have you compared them to Intellivision? Intellivision? Sure, they've got great space games, like Intellivision Space Battle. I didn't know. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. 
Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. All right, our first uh, comment comes in from Webhead. Uh, They said, hey, Bill, I know you are not a sports guy, but what do you think of NBA 2K21 on next-gen consoles being released at $10 higher price, making it $70, and setting a trend for other games on new consoles? For me personally, I would never buy new games on day one again. I would only wait for sales. And then they followed up. They said, let me follow up with the price hike wouldn't even affect me because I only own a Nintendo Switch. All right. Well, Webhead, I got some bad news for you. Games are cheaper than they have ever been in our lifetime. The price of games has pretty much stayed the same very, very consistently for a very long time. But inflation has made that $60 worth less and less and less. The buying power of $60 is much weaker than it used to be. So in the past, when you paid $60 for a game, you were essentially paying more money than you are now. If you bring that together with the fact that games have gotten more and more expensive uh, in order to make, well, then I think that what you have to realize is that the game prices are going to have to go up. Absolutely, it's going to have to go up. Now, the reasoning that uh, 2K21 gave is kind of ridiculous. They said, hey, um, (laughs) we have to charge $10 more because we had to rebuild this game from the ground up. And for me, that is basically them admitting that (laughs) they have been reselling you the same game over and over every single year uh, since they started making these games. Uh, So I don't know. I think, I mean, I certainly would not pay $70 for NBA 2K21, but I didn't pay uh, $10 for the last NBA 2K game because it's just not a game for me. However, other games are going to come out at higher prices, and I think that while um, NBA 2K's reason is ridiculous at best... It is justified because the price of making games has gone up and the amount of money that we are actually paying for games has gone down over time. And sure, you know, you go all the way back to the 80s and the NES, games were 30 to $40. But if you adjust for inflation, 30 to $40 is actually more than we're paying now. In fact, I just plugged it into a calculator, an inflation calculator, and it's about $71. $30 in 1985, if you translate that to $2020, that is $71 and and change. So essentially, back in the 80s, in 1985, when the NES came out, you were paying $70 of today's money for a game. And over time, that price has gotten weaker and weaker and weaker 
because of inflation. And the games just have not kept up with inflation. Now, they do have other ways to make money. You know, they can make money through microtransactions. They can make money through DLC. They can make money in a lot of different ways. They can make money through digital um, uh, digital exclusive stuff, like uh, buy this version at GameStop and you get this uh, stupid costume. Buy this version at Target and you get this stupid costume. Oh, you want both costumes? Then buy the extra costume on our on our store for X dollars. You know, that kind of thing. That's another way for them to make money. You know, NBA 2K21, those games make a lot of money through microtransactions, is especially through their loot box system. Now, I have not personally played the NBA 2K games, but if I remember correctly, it is very heavily monetized with loot boxes where you can, like, get certain players and stuff. You're right. I'm not a sports game guy, so I didn't play this one. But that's another way that that game developers can make money. And as the cost of game development goes up and the price comes down, they will be making less money. And somebody might say, hold on a sec, Bill. They're making a lot of money already. And you're right. They are making a lot of money. But it's their job to make sure that they're making as much money as they possibly can. And that means that they're going to have to increase the price. Now, I'm sure that they've done the math and they've decided if we increase the price, we're obviously going to sell less copies. And if we sell less copies, this is how much we can increase the price in order to still make as much or more money. And I'm sure that they've done all of that math ahead of time. Am I happy that the price is going up? Absolutely not. Am I surprised? Not at all. And do I blame them? Not one bit. These people are upset because even after waiting all night, they were unable to get their kids a new version of a game called Dragon Quest. Hey folks, I need your help in more than one way. Number one, the podcast awards. Go to podcastawards.com, sign up, and nominate Nintendo Switchcraft or 143 Pixels. Uh, for the best gaming podcast we've been nominated twice before it would be amazing to get nominated a third time we haven't haven't won yet but it would be awesome if you guys could nominate the show Um, in order to be nominated we need the um, you got to have the most people nominate your show Uh, so they they only take the top 10 for nominations last year I was talking to the guy who runs runs the uh, the podcast awards I think that he said that the smallest number of uh, people who I think the, how did he phrase it the, the 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 smallest number of people who were nominated who got votes was like over a thousand, which is crazy to me. Um, so you guys are amazing for helping me out last year and the year before. Help me out again this year. Speaking of helping me out, there's there's some cool stuff happening over at our Patreon, patreon.com slash runjumpstomp. We've got a brand new goal. That goal uh, is to make a new show uh, about retro gaming, which I I always kind of have a special place in my heart for retro gaming. I used to do a show called The NES Archive as a YouTube video, um, but I, I, it got to be too too much time investment, but I could make something like that come back as a podcast. And if we want to see that happen, 
then what we got to do is we got to hit that goal. And if you go to patreon.com slash runjumpstomp, you can see that we are currently at 39% complete on our goal. That's a little higher than last time. So we're at 39% complete. Uh, and I'm going to start this this new series about retro games. Uh, patrons get to vote on the games that I cover each episode. And if you didn't know, 143 pixels, uh, patrons at the early access tier get access to those episodes right away. As soon as I finish them, they don't have to wait for them to come out. So sometimes they get them like months in advance. Um, and when if this show ever happens, uh, this uh, retro show, that will also be early access for the patrons that are at the uh, early access uh, level. Anyway, thank you all very much, each and every patron, for the support and the people who support on Twitch and every other way that you support. You guys are all fantastic. All right, let's get on with the show. This topic, I think, is going to take some time. Um, we are looking at the most overlooked titles on the Nintendo Switch, and I think that this may be the only other topic that we cover today because I got so many really, really good uh, answers, and I want to talk about this stuff. So uh, I asked, what are some games that you think that were overlooked on the Nintendo Switch? And I got a whole bunch of answers. Uh, the first one being Katana Zero. Now, if you have never played Katana Zero, it is a 2D side-scrolling uh, action game where you play as this, uh, it looks like a woman with with a katana, and she is also able to slow down time while she's playing. I think that I actually have this game, and I played it a little bit, but... I was really, really bad at it, and so I never went back to it. It has a wonderful 16-bit art... Actually, maybe maybe a little bit past 16-bit art style. Uh, the animations are really, really good. The, uh, the way that the character moves around is fantastic. And um, I think that this is definitely something that if you're a fan of old school side scrolling uh beat em, not beat em ups um more like platformy uh action games that don't focus that that focus more on combat than platforming then Katana Zero might be something that you're interested in on the Nintendo Switch Webhead replied and they said Shaq Fu I got that free with NBA Playgrounds 1 and it's pretty fun and cool and I'm old enough to have played the first one when I was a kid. I remember it being fun to me as well, even though it was considered one of the worst fighting games. Yeah, um, I never played Shaq-Fu, the original Shaq-Fu. And of course, I have not played uh, the Shaq-Fu that came as basically as an apology for NBA Playgrounds 1. Like NBA Playgrounds 1 came out and it was pretty well panned by everybody. And so, in response, the developers said, all right, well, we're going to give Shaq-Fu away to everybody for free. And it was a remake of, or not really a remake, it was an, an update of the old Shaq-Fu game, which, by the way, if you are unaware, was an old fighting game that featured Shaquille O'Neal and like a Mortal Kombat-style fighting game. Uh, so I, I always thought that that was kind of crazy. 
Uh, Bowser13, who is uh, one of our Discord mods. Um, if you haven't joined the, the Discord, you're missing out on some fun conversations. Uh, head on over to uh, runjumpstomp.com slash Discord. But Bowser13 replied, they said, Hypercharge Unboxed is really fun. I need to get back to it since they made some updates. If you haven't played this game, it is awesome. It is a, I can't remember if it's first or third person shooter. I think it's a first person shooter tower defense game where you are defending uh, like these uh, nodes throughout a house from toys that are attacking and you also play as toys. And, it, and it, it's a multiplayer online shooter basically where you are defending these nodes against the on, oncoming waves of toys. It's really, really cool. It's got an awesome art style and it like once you wrap your head around the controls, it it just it clicks. It's such a a fantastic game. I highly recommend it to anybody. And the developers, it's a very small development team and they are very very responsive to uh to the 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 user base's input. Joe Barrett replied, uh they said Octopath Traveler has become one of my favorite JRPGs. Of all time. I also think that both Dragon Quest Builder games are incredible and addicting. Greece is another beautiful game on the Switch that I think may have been overlooked. Okay, so Octopath Traveler and Dragon Quest Builder games, I would say these are those are not overlooked. Those games were huge. Greece, on the other hand, is a game that was, I think, in my opinion, an overlooked game. Uh, even though I have not personally played it myself. Um, I, I have heard many people say wonderful things about it. The, the basic premise being that you are going through this world and it starts out in black and white. And then as you play through the game, it becomes color. Like you add color to the world. I don't know anything about it other than that. And that everybody who I've talked to has said that it's awesome. Uh, and it's, I think if I remember correctly, it's been on sale on the Nintendo Switch many, many times. Uh, Tom Ferguson replied, I don't have a lot to nine overlooked games. I'm not sure what he means by that. But I would recommend a game that is Untitled Goose Game. Now, I would say that is certainly not overlooked, but it is also very awesome. Uh, Martin says, Overlooked? I don't know about Overlooked, but I enjoy the Xenoblade series. Um, OH and Octopath Traveler. I don't know what OH is. So maybe you're going to need to reply to me on that, Martin. What is OH? Um, Deflem says Yoku's Island Express was great. And Splasher is also very good. Now, Yoku's Island Express, I've heard of before. That is a, a Metroidvania pinball game, which is a very weird combination of things. Uh, my buddy Lloyd was telling me about how awesome that game is, and uh, he, he's he's just a huge, huge fan of Yoku's Island Express. Uh, Splasher, I've not heard a peep about that, so I'm very interested in that. Let me actually pause recording and see what I can find. So I'm watching the video for Splasher right now, and it's giving me some serious Super Meat Boy vibes. Um, I don't know because I have not played this, but this feels to me like a Super Meat Boy clone, which is certainly not a bad thing. I know a lot of times people 
uh, hear somebody say that it's a clone of something else and they immediately think that that is an insult, I don't think so. Uh, I think that you can be a clone of a really good game and be a really good game too. But uh, in the, I don't know, the minute, 45 seconds or so that I watched of this trailer, that's immediately what jumped to mind was Super Meat Boy. And if you don't know what Super Meat Boy is, it is basically a um, a side-scrolling platformer that has very, very high level of uh, skill ceiling, um, very, very difficult platforming, pixel-perfect platforming to be precise, and a very fast respawn. So when you get killed, you respawn instantaneously, uh, meaning that you are not punished too badly for um, not getting to where you need to go. What I will say is you you may, in Super Meat Boy, play the same 15 seconds of gameplay over and over and over and over again until you get past it, but when you do get past it, it feels very, very satisfying. Um, Andrew Pitts replied, they said, Moonlighter had me hooked. Moonlighter is this... Okay, so let me let me give you... I'm going to set the stage here for Moonlighter. Let's say that you're playing a, a game where you're going on a dungeon crawling kind of game. You know, you go down into the dungeon, you uh, kill a bunch of monsters, you get a bunch of loot, and then you bring that loot back to town, and you sell that loot to the uh, item shop. Does that sound familiar? Well, Moonlighter is just like that, Except instead of selling loot uh, or buying, yeah, selling loot to the item shop, you are running the item shop and selling loot to customers that you had just gone into the dungeon to go get. So you went into the dungeon, you got a bunch of loot, you bring it up, you populate your item shop with a bunch of the loot, and you have to set the prices and pay attention to what customers want. The combat is really good. The graphics are fantastic, without a doubt, fantastic graphics. But I hated the selling mechanic because I always felt like I was getting it wrong. And because of that, I kind of don't like Moonlighter. And it's not because it's a bad game. It's just a game that didn't click with me. And that's okay. Not every game has to click with me. Eric uh, Bedenis says Pool Panic and Two Point Hospital. Now, Two Point Hospital, I know nothing about. Pool Panic, however, I remember it from a Nintendo like uh, Indie World, I believe, and it looked incredibly cool. Basically, you were, I feel like, if I remember correctly, it was like an RPG, but you were playing pool at the same time. Not like Not like Golf Story, which I think is... I don't know if I want to say it's overlooked, but it's certainly great, and there might be people who don't know about it. But not like Golf Story, but but different. Anyway, I haven't played either Two Point Hospital or Pool Panic, but I remember thinking that Pool Panic looked really cool when they showed it off at the Indie World. Uh, Shirui said, No idea if it's overlooked, but I can never get enough of Into the Breach. Now, Into the Breach says, The Remnants of Human Civilization are threatened by gigantic creatures breeding beneath the earth. You must control powerful machines. 
Oh, it is from the developers of uh, FTL, which is a fantastic um, roguelike uh, where you are going through space. And I remember seeing, now that I'm looking at the graphics for Into the Breach, I remember seeing it top-down, tile-based, turn-based kind of game. Looks really, really cool. Uh, Edge Magazine says that it's really fantastic. Uh, I think that I've heard a lot of good things about this game. I never played it because I know... I know that I'm real bad at this kind of game. I always regret the decisions that I make in these games, and uh, I'm bad at them. But if a top-down, turn-based, tiled game sounds cool to you, then check out Into the Breach, according to Shirui. Uh, we, we've got a couple more, but I'm going to take a quick break. And, uh, when we come back, we'll, we'll hit a few more overlooked titles on your Nintendo switch. If you're an athlete, you know, the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Okay, we are back and let's see what we got. We've got Children of Morta. Definitely worth more attention. Uh, This is according to Christian B. Now, I remember hearing about Children of Morta probably a million and a half times. I think that um, they emailed me uh, a half a dozen times saying, hey, if you want keys, go to this website and sign up. And I kept looking at it and saying, well, I don't know if I'm if I'm going to uh, tackle that. But um, looking at it right now, it's got an 80 on Metacritic. Um, the, the, the launch trailer is on, I'm looking at the Nintendo uh, eShop site, and I'm watching the, um, oh my gosh, the, the launch trailer, and it looks really cool. I love the art style of it. Very, very uh, old school 16-bit, but also mixed with some painterliness to it. Like it kind of looks like watercolors. In a way, I don't know what kind of game it is from the video, but I love the art style and the animation is absolutely top notch. Here's what they uh, say about it on the website. Children of Morta sets its story in a distant land, but copes with themes closer to our daily lives than one would expect. It is a story of simple emotion we all know so well and value more than sometimes we dare to admit. Love and hope longing and uncertainty, ultimately loss and sacrifice. We are uh, willing to make, uh, to save the ones we care for most, embark on an adventure of extraordinary family of heroes with the corruption spreading through the land. Guardians of the mountain Morta have, have to stand up against an ancient evil, but it's not a long story about saving the universe. It's a story about a valiant family standing together while the world around them is being devoured by darkness. They said that they describe it as a roguelite with a strong storyline and has seven playable characters with local co-op. Sounds really, really cool. I just, I don't think it would click with me. So I'm going to pass, but Christian, thank you for the recommendation. And a lot of times when people recommend games to me, what I say is, hey, even if it's not for me, 
somebody else out there may have never heard of this. So it's great that they, uh, uh, that, that you share this stuff. Uh, we got like three more and then we're going to wrap up the show. Uh, Chicklets says Dragon Quest 11 is such a good game that I feel like has unfortunately been quite overlooked, at least here in the U S because it is very popular in Japan. I'm the only person I know who has played it. And it's one of my favorites on the switch. I don't think that it's overlooked at all. People were hyped for Dragon Quest 11, uh, really, really hyped. And for good reason, it's a really, really good, uh, old school Japanese RPG, uh, if you're looking for one, that's one for you right there. Perry David says, Tumble Seed is excellent. Definitely difficult to learn and brutal at times, but so good. Lovers in a dangerous space time is always a good time, and more people need to experience Starlink Battle for Atlas, especially with how cheap it can be found. Let's start with Tumble Seed. I hate Tumble Seed. Tumble Seed is so difficult. You um You play as a seed that you are trying to get to the top of a mountain. And in order to get the seed to the top of the mountain, you are balancing the seed on this, I guess a balance bar is how I would describe it. And you, you control not the seed, but the balance bar. So if you need the seed to go to the right, then you push down on the right stick and up on the left stick, the balance bar will tilt that direction and the seed will roll, hence why it's called tumble seed, to one side. And there will be things in the way as you're going up the mountain, and it's just really, really hard to control. If you, uh, Perry David, uh, if you were really good at figuring it out, then more power to you. Uh, tumble seed was completely impenetrable for me. Uh, I, I think that it's a cool idea, but ultimately, I found it to be too frustrating to really enjoy. Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time is a game that I got on Steam and have never played. Uh, I got it through like a humble bundle. It was like five bucks and you get like 40 games or some nonsense like that. And uh, I just never got around to playing it. Maybe I'll check it out sometime. And then finally, Starlink, I've played a little tiny bit of it. My son has that. It's uh, it's really good and it's always incredibly cheap. You can even get like the physical versions super, super cheap for Starlink. And that comes with a bunch of plastic crap. Uh, I don't want the plastic crap, but if you do, you can usually get it pretty cheap. Uh, Leo Stern says, some of my favorite indies that I finished in the last few uh, years include Owlboy, Cadence of Hyrule, Grease, and The Tourist, and Slay the Spire. All right, so of these, I already talked about Grease. Um, I've, I've played Cadence of Hyrule. I don't know if it's overlooked because it's a Zelda game, and Zelda games don't get overlooked. Um, it is amazing, though. What a fantastic, fantastic game. The art presentation is amazing. The uh, the audio uh, presentation is wonderful, and the music itself is absolutely transfixing. It's um, it's an amazing game. I love Cadence of Hyrule. Uh, Slay the Spire is a roguelike where you have to climb the spire and you need to, as you climb the spire, you are doing combat with cards and stuff like that. I played it on Xbox um, Game Pass on my PC. Really, really good game. I highly recommend that one. Uh, and then, um, I, oh, Perry David um, replied to that. He said, I've uh, been playing a lot of Slay the Spire recently. It's great, and my eight-year-old loves it too. Anyway, 
my goodness, we had a lot, a whole bunch of uh, replies to this thread. So uh, keep those coming. If you have other ideas for for, uh, topics like this that you think a lot of people would reply to, uh, let me know because that was a really fun topic to discuss. Uh, Anyway, that's going to be it for today's episode. Uh, Thank you very much for listening. Um, I have to take a moment, though, and thank our patrons, the producers of the show. I thank them at the end of each show. And right now I'm vamping because I forgot to have it open before I started. But these are the people who are pledging at the um, producer tier or higher. And this list keeps on growing. Thank you very much uh, for uh, a, a bunch of people went from the the um, the lowest tier and upped themselves to the producer tier, which is amazing. So uh, thank you to the producers and above. We've got Abigail 13, Orange Thunder, Paul Bramblett, Bowser, Eric Smith, Jordan Forbes, Matt Hadfield, Travis McGuire, Trucker Paul, you guys are all really, really awesome. And, oh, wait a second here. Uh, I think we just got a new one. Brian Reese. Thank you very much, everybody, for uh, becoming um, producers of the show. If you want to know more about how you can help out, head on over to patreon.com slash runjumpstomp. Uh, support content, uh, independent gaming content like this. I really appreciate the help. You guys are awesome. I will see you all next time. Uh, the music that you are about to hear is Corneria Star Fox Remix by Noteblock. Check out their stuff on their YouTube channel. Bye, everybody. This show is part of the Giant Size Team Up Network. For more information, check us out at gstu.net. And if you didn't know, check out my Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash runjumpstomp.